Right. Showtime. Big book of questions, Ryan. I like it. Yes. You've got them all there. I've done my research. Well, anyway. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of The Outerview with myself, Alan Swan, a podcast all about the art of interviewing. Today's guest is Ryan Turberty, who's a radio and television broadcaster on RTE, which is the public service broadcaster in Ireland. He presents a weekday morning show from 9 to 10 called The Ryan Turberty Show on RTE Radio 1, and he is the host of the world's longest running chat show on RTE. Actually, the world's longest chat show anywhere. It's called The Late Late Show. In the UK, he's presented uh, on BBC Radio 2 and filled in for the likes of Graham Norton. Ken Bruce Chris Evans Simon Mayo and he's also written a whole host of books too which include JFK in Ireland and also The Irish Are Coming he's working on his third book at the moment which is a children's book uh, which is called Patrick and the President which is going to be out in 2017 Uh, let's get straight into this conversation Ryan has got loads of advice uh, for media students if you're just starting off in this business some brilliant nuggets as well if you're a seasoned broadcaster or a writer or a producer on how to get the best out of a guest and uh, he really is a lovely lovely guy. Uh, great chat with him. I hope you enjoy it. I'll talk to you on the far side of this, my conversation, episode 10, with Ryan Turberty on The Outer View. Uh, Ryan, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, Pleasure. Do you remember your first interview? I, I think the best way of describing my first interview was to go right back to a tape recorder and a, and a little bit of wire and a little plastic microphone that came out of it when I was about, I'd say 10, maybe 11, and it was a tape recorder for whatever reason that was in the house. And myself and my younger brother uh, went out on the road where we lived, where we would have played football and collected conkers and did all the things that kids do and did. Um, but instead we went and did what we now know, I now know was called a Vox Pop. Yeah. And that meant going to uh, neighbours and randomly stopping them and asking them questions. And the reason I remember this so well is because we spoke to a woman who was very grand and she was answering questions like, you know, that uh, Maggie Smith in Downton Abbey. And she was delighted to answer all the questions as placed to her by these young ragamuffins from the area. And it was good fun chatting to her. And we went home, having spoken to several neighbours, and said to our parents, would you believe that we were talking to neighbours and there's royalty living down the road? And they said, what do you mean? I said, look, listen to what her answer to the question is. And uh, we said, uh, she's, she's a baroness. So said, how do you know? I said, because we asked the question and clunk, we hit play on the tape. And the question was, um, do you have any children? And to which we replied, no, I'm baron. <laughs> and we, we misunderstood. <laughs> and it was such an archaic word. It's still even then in the 80s uh, and to this day that we didn't understand. So we were sure we had royalty. But it was really the first question, the answer to your yeah. question, that, uh, that I was asking and that I was... I got a, I probably got a thrill from it uh, because from there on in I was 12 years old doing uh, radio so uh, that's that's the less serious answer to probably a more yeah. serious question No but it's interesting that you bring up kind of because this, this word curiosity keeps popping up in all the interviews that I've done so far that you must have been a, a, a number one a precocious yes. uh, 10, 11 year old Yes very much so to feel like you could get a, a kind of a, a tape recorder and, yes. and put it in someone's face yes. but you were curious Yes always curious and I think that no matter how uh, many degrees you have and no matter how intellectually um, uh, smart you might be it matters not a jot uh, if you're not curious um, so it's, it is it's strangely probably the word I would associate most with uh, good interviewing, 
good interviewers and quality journalism. Yeah, and what did your parents make of that when you were kind of 10, 11? Because I know when I was 10 or 11, I, w- I didn't know what I was doing at all, really. I was only yeah. more preoccupied with whether the VHS was going to set well, properly to record something. We had similar issues in our house and, and, you know, it was... No, my parents were, to their credit, they were light-touch regulators. They right. just, off you went. We were essentially latch-door kids during the summer. I mean, it was just off you go for the day and we'll see you at six o'clock for dinner. So... No, they, their their influence was 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 more, if you like, esoteric or ephemeral than that. That you know, my mum was was or is uh, kind of sort of um, unconventional in in it, but yet from a very middle class background, great fun, bold, kind. And my dad was a bit more straight, but very droll. So right. we would we would sit and watch uh, lots of Dave Allen and lots of Forty Towers and. And Tommy Cooper and strange again, strange to say, but Wiley Coyote. I mean, my dad was a psychiatrist, right? And there's somebody who has to be curious about people. I don't know what to make of that. But that's, I, a, that's an interesting connection. I think there's you possibly, must have got something from that. There's possibly something in that, but nothing yeah. I would have learned because, as I often say about my dad and his job, he never brought his work home with him. Hence, how we all turned out. But we, I wouldn't have seen him in action because yeah. it was a private gig. But but there must be something possibly genetic in that. Uh, where you uh, are interested in people and the broader aspects of their story. So, you know, if somebody comes in to say, uh, I was involved in a robbery, but I'm okay now and I witnessed everything. You want to know what were you doing? I, I want to know more than just, I want to know what she was doing, almost what they were wearing and why. Why were you wearing a coat? It was sunny. Why did you bring an umbrella? You know, because you knew that the weather forecast was okay. But then I brought an umbrella in case of my right. So you're a nervous person, naturally. Well, I'm not that nervous normally, but you brought an umbrella and the yeah. coat and the sunshine. So it's all the the extra the stories that go on around a person that, that piqued the interest for me, really. So, yeah, that's where I came from. I was going to mix. My dad, we are in Balnahound one day, and, and he pointed, see that tall old man there with the cap and the stoop and the shoulder? I said, yeah. He said, that's Noel Brown. I don't know, who's Noel Brown? And suddenly we had this conversation. Then I was into history. Uh, and back to curiosity, asking questions. I mean, the simple questions, who, what, why, where, when? Yeah, because I think that the, the interviewers of 2016 who might be fresh at a media college, and we have a lot of students that listen to this podcast mm-hmm. and have been very kind to get in touch with us, mm. um, don't forget that there's a story there, that, that when they're talking to a person, I think that they, they write up their questions, they've got like their, their biography of the person or they've got an aim to get a soundbite and it's all become soundbites now, there's, there's no conversations anymore. Sadly. Yeah, do, do, you, do you find that? I do. I, th- I think that w- when I was uh, at one point, about two or three years ago, and I was having a bit of a struggle in, in career-wise, and it wasn't going as great as I would have hoped, and I, I knew that I was not being, I wasn't doing a, as good a job as I should or could do, and I was trying to figure it out. And I, and I read a book, and I read a quote, um, and it involved a chat show host from America turning around to another chat show host in America and saying, give me some advice, and the advice was, stop interviewing people and just have conversations and it was it was a great cathartic moment for me because I kind of started stopping I used to read long questions and it's quite boring for the interviewee and it's boring for the uh, interviewer and of course you need some questions in front of you just to nudge you along yeah. especially if you're dealing with eight guests or more in, in one program be it in television and radio so you need to just Get out of the, and then what did you do? And then why did you do it? And into a much more, wh- why? There's a very simple moment in an interview where you've got the big question out of the way mm. and then you should be into the why. But how? And wh- what did that mean? And all that. And the other thing is, 
don't forget to ask a question yeah. because the trap you can fall into is you say you won the FA Cup in 1944 you were of course a World War II veteran at that point uh, and you uh, came home uh, wounded listen to that silence because the guest is sitting there going, yeah, correct. You've, you've told me everything. <laughs> yeah. Watch that. And I often sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I say, if, I, if it's a TV show thing, and the researcher might turn around and give us, the, and I said, that's a suggested question. I said, where's the question mark? And it sounds narky. It's not. It's just to kind of say, look, we need that these statements aren't questions. And just watch that because it can, it's a trap you can fall into. Because I think you're in a very unique and unusual position for doing a TV show and a, a live chat show, the longest running chat show in the world. So that comes with its own pressures. But the, the you know, people will often um, say Graham Norton's very, the, the best in the world of what he does. Jonathan Ross is great. Those shows are pre-recorded. Mm-hmm. Whereas you do have the pressure of trying to get into what you're hoping to be a conversation quickly, but, quickly, mm. but in a live setting. Does, that must bring pressure. That that whole world of chat shows changed dramatically because, uh, for starters, most chat show hosts in the UK and the United States are stand-up comedians now. Yeah. So that takes out a certain amount of, uh, I suppose, intellectual engagement, if you want to call it that. It's now more waka-waka than curiosity mm. uh, and generally it's big movie stars who really will will have a joke get the plug in and they're gone and those programs are recorded on a Thursday uh, evening over the course of maybe two hours and you'll get at home an hour mm. of that so all the chopped up all that bits where the question is a dud the answer goes on all that boring stuff is gone live you know, room for fat yeah. It's got to be lean and mean and quick. So, look, the way I see it is that, yeah, it does bring all those attendant challenges, but I've I've known nothing else because I've done Tuberty Tonight for five years on a Saturday and then the Late Late Show for the last seven years, I think it is now. And, you know, so and they were always live. So it's great. It, yeah. was, it, was, a, it was a great learning curve. But, you, so, so you, back to your question, yeah, you, you need to get into a conversation quickly. So what I do is I meet all the guests before the show uh, at this stage, as I get there, stay there longer, uh, the guests are coming round again. So it makes it a bit easier to have yeah. a conversation with them. But yeah, no, you need to get stuck in. A question I wanted to ask you, and this is why I thought you'd be a really interesting guest for for this series, is that you not only do the radio side of things, um, you do the TV side of things, but you've also uh, written a book uh, about JFK, which comes in itself with its own um, differences, as in, does your interviewing style differ when you're doing research with people and you're doing those type of interviews? I, I, well, when you do your, your own research, and as I did when I was in college and studying for a degree, that like that that gets mocked cruelly by people because it's an arts degree. Uh, it's fine. I, I loved it. But actually, it does give you the basis to research uh, an essay and to go looking up stuff long before the Google uh, fact check or indeed the incorrect fact check if you're looking at Wikipedia. Uh, so you need to, you know, you, it gave you a good grounding in it. Writing a book is great because I respect authors a lot more than I ever thought I would because I tried to, it was tough and I tried, nearly gave up a couple of times. This is just too much uh, between chat show, radio show and book in the middle. I don't know what I was thinking, but I was really proud as punch when it pleased as punch when it came out because I love history and I loved telling the story which comes back to another thing you talk about curiosity but yeah. storytelling be it on radio and TV particularly radio is is critical telling a good story finding that story that's why if your researchers are great you're in business this morning I interviewed a woman 
who uh, has been referenced by Donald Trump throughout the campaign as a woman who he put in charge of the construction of Trump Tower. And the researcher found that woman and she was live on the radio this morning. So kudos to the researcher uh, and then kudos to the guest. It was a great, she was a great interviewee. She was broad Brooklyn, it must have been four or five in the morning, but she was in her 60s. No going, bullshit. She was going to Pilates, you know. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so she was super. But that was a great mix of, and then my own personal interest in American politics. So everything was, all the ducks were in a row for that sort of thing. So yeah, it's good. The, re the research part of it is, is key. And But the book thing was, it, I, I just think that you have to have more interest than just the, the broadcasting. You have to have other things going. Yeah, and the approach as well, that must differ as well from when you, you're interviewing somebody, say, for instance, President Obama, to... Mick Maguire, who runs a pub in yeah. in Galway, like there's a, it must be very difficult to kind of the, the light and shade of those things. Or do you do you feel that you just you it doesn't matter who they are, you're still going to bring the same? No, if if intensity. it's if it's enormously if it's enormous figure, be it an actor or a politician, um, it it does change things a little bit because you're you can be a little bit overawed, uh, and that has happened. Happens less as I get older. Yeah. I can become less impressed by status and more impressed by personality. Uh, that's just an age thing. But, you know, you can. Uh, but really what the right presenter should do is be respectful of them all, regardless of mm. whether they're, you know, uh, the, the bin man or the president. But it's not often that easy. You know, so you see Tom Cruise rocking into the studio and you go, what? <laughs> or I was sitting interviewing uh, Al Pacino and... And uh, at one point, um, you know, your, your your head is going, I've seen you in all these amazing movies. This and, is mad. And this is mad. And, boom, you know, meeting and being introduced to Barack Obama or Bill Clinton and interviewing Tony Blair on the, on the Late Late Show. And you're just going, these are big names in history. And, uh, you, yeah, I do get a bit fanboy. How do you, how do you deal with the situation? Because listening is a key is a key skill to have when you're interviewing somebody that, that you have to be really aware of a question going in one direction but listening at the same time how do you stop yourself drifting for so for instance I'm doing this interview at the moment and I'm try, I'm glancing at my notes yeah, what's next? I'm thinking okay what time is it now I don't want to keep Ryan too long yeah. you know and you're trying to be respectful and listen at the same time yes. do you have any kind of techniques like for instance there was a I can't remember her name now but she's a kind of a one of these um body language experts and she she told this tip of when your mind starts to wander in a conversation start moving your toes all oh, right okay. and it brings you back kind of into Get the back moment in the room. it kind of brings you back into the moment so if you feel yourself wander just kind of start wiggling your toes now obviously good I'm, tip. I'm, I'm I'm wiggling furiously yeah, so am I yeah. so am I the mere mention and people listening are going why am I wiggling my toes because it's like don't don't think of the, the big white elephant they'll all be they'll be watching your feet now yeah yeah yeah, yeah. the the the, uh, the the jigging leg <laughs> how do you um but how do you bring yourself back into that moment do you have any techniques that you use to kind of no I don't have techniques and I'd be lying if I said I yeah. did I don't I just think it's about focus and it's about being in the moment in the in the radio show on the radio show I have less than an hour I mean even with my uh, Joe Coe's ADD you still have to like an hour is not that long so yeah. just get stuck into it be professional it's your job uh, and then equally on the TV you need to be present it's funny because people I, I know will come into the show and the audience every now and they're going to go jeez in fairness <laughs> in fairness to you but it's not it's, it's your job I could go to their job and say jeez in fairness to you yeah if you're um, operating on a patient as a surgeon you want to be you say yeah. in fairness to you yeah, you need to be it's live there's somebody's there showing you th you know three or four fingers saying that's how much time's left minutes wise then someone's wrapping up and then you're going to go over there and maybe comment in your ear saying you've got to go left not right and s there's a lot of plates being spun yeah 
but it's about being present and being being there. You can't afford to drift. Uh, and as for looking at the car, yeah, certainly the one thing is I'll do is on the TV particularly, if I'm kind of thinking, I need to get to that card because there's something I need to ask and I can't remember what it is. Mm. The, I wait for wistful. When the guest gets wistful, he turns away from me or she turns away from me and looks into the middle distance. And I love wistful because that allows me to look down without being rude. So try and get them wistful. Because it's a difficult skill that you're waiting for them to turn. You're also probably looking at your monitor to make sure you're not on camera to look I, like you're... You're quite right. Actually, I have a monitor behind the, the couch on the Late Late Show yeah. that no one can see apart from me. So I know what shot has been going out at home. Yeah. So when I see that the guest is looking in the middle distance and the shot is on the guest uh, and not on me, I can, I can afford to look down. But actually, I've done a new thing this season as well with my cards, which is I highlight the key word in the sentence. So no longer in the question. So I no longer need to read the full question. I'll just go swan. Right. And I'll say, great, I need to talk to Alan Swan. I want you to talk to you about Alan Swan. Or I'll go, bang, Navy. I'll say, okay, what about that Navy jumper that you're wearing today? Why is that? Rather than going, what about the Navy jumper that you're wearing today? I'll just see the highlight, Navy, bang. Yeah. And that's enough for me. It's like a bullet point. But the rest of the question is there for safety. And you're back in the room. And I'm back. You mentioned something there a couple of minutes ago about getting older. Yeah. Does it make, it, does it make the job easier? Oh, it strangely does. I mean, I never thought I'd see it because I think I spent my 20s going, what do I want to do and how am I going to do it? And then my 30s was about trying to consolidate. And, and they were nervous times because you've got life, you've got work, excuse me, and you've got all these things going on and, and you've got to say, am I going to make it? Do I have what it takes? And it's a lot of worry. It's a lot of worry. I've spent a lot of my 30s worrying. Mm. And, and you know, you've got bills to pay and, and children to think about and all sorts of things like that. So, And you've got to focus on, on two big juggernaut yeah. gigs. So it really was, uh, it was um, in a first world sense, uh, probably a, a, a fraught time. Mm. Uh, and then 40 comes along and... It took about a year to understand what the hell that meant. Strangely, 41 was what did it. Really? 41 then, I just went... Unusual number. Strange thing. Got over the 40 thing um, and you think, well, what have I, what have, what have, how much have I had on, on this planet? 40. How much you got left? Oh, oh all right, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, that's different now. And even if you get another 40, what's it going to be like when you're heading towards your late 70s? If you get that far, do you want to be that far? Um and then you start thinking, okay, well, hang on, it's been a bit, I spent all this time worrying and now it's kind of, it could be gone tomorrow. Yeah, when you, when you start going into debit. You, you get into, yeah, <laughs> debit. That's a very good way of putting it. That's, you start, you focus you pretty much. You, it focuses, <laughs> actually it's mortality it comes into play yeah. hugely. So, And you start thinking, why not? Why not ask that question? Why not uh, interview that guest? Why not take more risk? Why not enjoy yourself a bit more? You know, you, you, it's like when you go into the shop and you see the shirt and you can buy the cheap and nasty shirt for that. And you can buy the more expensive one for that. And the more expensive one might be too expensive. But you just think, why not? You know, and, and it's, it's, you, you worry a little less if you can. And you are less self, self-regarding. And you become more respectful of the guest, I think, because up until... To, for a long time, it's especially I think a lot of people you'll interview for this podcast will be egomaniacs. I think I think all presenters are really egomaniacal, and I know I as am. a producer I would have to agree. You'd have to but agree, that, but, but I think that that's a that's a natural trait. I though. think it's part of the gig. Yeah, and I don't I think, think it's a I don't think it's a it's a it's a it's a bad thing. Not necessarily, and I think if you don't have, you need to be an ego, a bit of a peacock, maybe sometimes without the p. Uh, you need, but you need to just need to be slightly larger than life yeah. uh, otherwise you're just you could be quite 
boring and yeah. quite mediocre and to the point that people wouldn't want to listen to you. They want to hear a car. And, and like what people see on the television and, and, and hear on the radio for, for the last uh, 10, 15 years for me has been a bit of a cartoon version of me and not particularly one I, I would be like in real life or want to be. And then let's go back to 41. Um, since then, actually, the line has blurred now. I'm much more like real me on TV and radio. Still a little bit cartoonish. Yeah, you, you get more comfortable in yourself. Precisely. Yeah. And, and, uh, but you have to hold back a bit for yourself as well. Oh, you, you do. Can, you can't give everything. No, you can't. And, and with... Um, I try and describe it sometimes and say, you know, the person on the radio and on TV is kind of like you've had two beers. Uh, you're a little bit different and you're mm. a bit up. Um but you're not, you're not hammered. But you're just, you're just up, and then you come back and you finish. You walk out of studio and you just go, who was that? Mm. Uh, but that's your job. Yeah. Final couple of questions. Thank no, you so much. Nice. So, take take as much time. As you thanks need. so much for your time. No, um, I think you brought up something very interesting there about as you get older, you're you know you want to do a bit more kind of meteor interviews, or you want to be you want to spend a bit more time doing something a little bit different. I think there is a um, there's a kind of an age coming up now where radio people are looking for more long form that yes. they're starting to get more tired of the kind of the sound bite and yes. not that the kind of sanitised public relations version of bits that that, that, that that get thrown around the place yes um, is that something that you would be interested in in the future that you you would have more time to do more Q&A event type stuff and, and, and that type yeah, of stuff yeah I, I love um, the fact that the Late Late Show continues in the face of the Kardashians <laughs> I love the fact that we can as George Bush said about man and fish coexist and we can there's mm. plenty of room for the Kardashians and there's plenty of room but the Late Late Show versus other chat shows around UK and the US particularly is so different in that you can have big conversations about crime in this country about fatal fetal abnormalities uh, I can then play with toys and kids for a night one night and then talk to Colin Farrell the next or, or Russell Crowe the following night. That's, to me, a proper chat show yeah. that you can cover it all and become the, the parlour room, the kitchen table of a country. They all sit down on Friday and go, what was, what was that week? And that's really good. Equally on the radio, intelligent interviews. I think that producers, and I say this respectfully, Alan. Yes, um, it's okay. But we need to get this right. Producers, researchers and presenters. Uh, media types, generally guardian reading uh, UCD graduates uh, with uh, who, who who kind of have a, a run on the G two supplement of a morning are uh, feeding out of the same trough yeah. and a little bit lacking in uh, life beyond certain milieu and that's that's problematic uh, and now that's 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 a broad and pretty mean thing to say but I'm just saying we have to be careful that we don't lose sight of the rest of the country and uh, you know the, the conversations need to be smart the point I'm making is this we underestimate the intelligence of the, the, the viewer and the listener a lot of the time and the right producer and the right researcher will come along and realise that and say no don't don't feed them this pop singer who has nothing to say uh, and it will be on for seven or eight minutes talking complete rubbish actually talk to this other person yeah. that could be an Irish musician or it could be just somebody with a great story and, and and don't say, well, they wouldn't like it. How do you know? Like, you've got to be risk-taking. Yeah. Got to be. Because somebody gave me a great tip a couple of years ago about, you know, how to find stories and how to do research is that why don't you pick up um, at the gardening magazine? 
why don't you pick up golf weekly? I might, I have no interest in golf. Yeah. But maybe if you just flick through it, you it's might true. see something and it's go, oh, hang on a second. Yeah. Like I love women's magazines. I think my wife gets quite worried about me sometimes. Yeah. But at least I'm, I'll read something. pictures for research. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, you can get some really good in-depth articles. Yeah, I can. In well, Cosmo. It's strangely. But you can, you can come across. No, you can't. No, that, that is, there is truth to what you're saying. I mean, no, but you're, you're quite right. And, isn't that right, Gillian? My wife is probably yeah. listening to this. She understands. Yeah. She, 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 but it's a good excuse to get away for herself. But what about those magazines? Well, that's for another day. Mm. Uh, the the point I'm making is on, on all of that is, of course, that the, the, the researchers that I would have on radio, for example, at the moment, will, I'll, I'll say, where did you find that? Like, really good story. Yeah. And do you know what? You're right. They find it in those obscure magazines in Easton's or wherever it might be that you think... There's nothing in you know, um, Home Pigeons Block, block Builders Weekly. Yeah, that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And suddenly you, you're flicking through it and you see, you know, there's this guy has invented a thing that's not huge in that bit, and he's Irish, you know. And that's the other thing. Always go Irish. Yeah. Shop local. Because the Irish people love Irish stories. And really, you could have, you could fill a show with Americans and, and British with great, you know, interesting stories. But you, you will, you're knocking 30% of the interest level off. Yeah. And it was, if you bring the make, if it's an Irish, you're back to hundred. So just watch that too. Yeah, it's like what you said about the late late show being, you know, um, conversational to the point. If you go for a meal with friends, you know, your chat will go from serious to light yeah. to if you're having a really good. You know, those meals where you go at like seven o'clock in the evening, you're still there at half eleven, and you're just having yeah. a great chat. Yeah, that yeah. to me is what kind of the late late show is. That's why, and you know, and equally, if you're if you're chatting with somebody in a in a pub or dinner party, wherever it might be, and that person is boring, yeah, you're gone. Yeah. And and you know, I might sometimes have an interview that's down for twelve minutes, and that person is just not delivering. And thankfully, because I'm driving the car. I'll just press the ejector button. Who who, who gets it right? Who for you are, are the de facto people that you turn to? Because I know you mentioned Dick Cavat and, yeah, Dick, and that Dick, conversation Dick, with Jack Parr that he had. That's about, right. Yeah. Dick Cavett is somebody I like because he was... Dick Cavett. Yeah, no, he's, he, Dick Cavett is, is, is one of these guys I started watching when I was having a bit of a dip in my own confidence, if you like, and I was kind of saying, what? And he was, he was this guy who was just, he was fascinated by people and he was a reader and I was kind of liked what his style was. But of course, he was a bit, probably a bit too smart for his own good and his, the show was axed. So that didn't work out too well. But uh, but I liked his, his style and, and he would have had you know, um, Norman Mailer on and Gore Vidal and they'd be having these big intellectual scraps. Not that I want to do that, but I'm just saying these, this was a different time where you could smoke and drink booze on the show. Um, and he's somebody I would have rated. And down through the years, like Michael Parkinson would have always been somebody I liked because he was a hack mm. and he was a journalist. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. That's where they kind of should have come from in many respects. Um, I like Terry's style, Terry Wogan's style, because he was, it was, I like the laid back element of that. You know, if Parkey was the Sinatra, Wogan was the Dean Martin. Yeah. You know, and then in some ways that makes the likes of Norton, the Sammy Davis, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, song yeah, and yeah. dance man, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and they are the different uh, styles. And as to where I come into that, I, that's for other people to judge. But it, they're the sort of names I would have liked you can't not have an interview like this without mentioning Gay Byrne mm. uh, who I think would have been uh, giving lessons to all of the aforementioned because he knew the power of this simple question such as a uh, big long interview and he's sitting there on this little gem of a question at the end and that question is how are you? that's the one and I go how am I? yeah how are you? I'm awful. Yeah. <laughs> Why? I, well, to be honest with you, 
it's just and you go wow how do you do that great I mean he was the master so gave the gaze in there I think of Jerry Ryan as well because he knew I think he knew how to interview women mm. uh, in a way that a lot of men are utterly incapable of doing I don't know whether these men their mothers died young or their sisters didn't like them or they didn't have daughters but you've got to understand it's a very good point you've got to understand that you know women interviewing men and men interviewing women it's it's it there's there's things and language and nuance that you must be aware of it goes back to psychology the psychology is involved in that too yeah and uh, and and that's about you know knowing the 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 ground rules if you like and breaking them sometimes, but, mm. but respectfully. And I think sometimes you have to broach. I asked a woman last week, she came on the radio to talk about being over 50 and overweight. And she was upset because she couldn't get a job. And I'd read an email about a woman from a woman uh, whose mother was overweight and over 50. So this woman came on, she said, I'm overweight and I'm over 50, I'm really upset. And I said, she said, I'll be on the phone to somebody and then I won't get the job. And, and they'll say, come in for an interview. And I arrive in, they look at me and go, okay, no, we're, you're grand actually, we filled that post. So... In a moment of madness, whatever you want to call it, I broke one of the rules and I asked her live on air. I said, why are you overweight? And there was this long silence. Now, the long silence on radio is either... It's long. Is, it's, 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 it's multiplied by a thousand yeah. to, for, per second. And it's either one of the great moments of, a, of an interview or one of the most embarrassing or tragic. Now, mm. in this case, it worked out fine. The woman had come on to say she was overweight and, and over 50, so she understood... The, the, the rules had changed. She could ask the question. But there was a gasp, an intake of breath going. No, no one asks. She'd never been asked that question before. But she had food for thought, excuse the pun or the expression on the circumstance. But you've got, to add, you've got to sometimes break the rules a bit and, and, and push, push the interviewee. Sometimes they need to be. And do you ever feel, have you ever left an interview thinking, I really shouldn't have gone there? Yes, I think so. I think without having to name situations. No, no, no. no you, and I can't think of one off, yeah, the, yeah. off the top. But because there are times, you, you know... Um, where somebody, say, was involved in a scandal or something tawdry happened or there was a moment in their past that was always messy. And you have to ask yourself, do we need to go there? Uh, and somebody will say, the argument will go two ways. One person will say, there will be an expectation from mm. the audience that you must ask that question. And then somebody else will say, we're going to lose the interviewee because they'll be just annoyed. Yeah. And it's going to be boring. It's the, they'll shut down and it's over. And that's a decision you have to make. And it's a tough one. Because if you don't go there, the interview, the audience go, why didn't you ask the, the talk about the elephant in the room? Mm. But the guest has a good interview and you have a good interview and everyone leaves happy. If you do go there, they'll be leaving the room on the they elephant. They leave steam out the ears. You'll never see them again. Yeah. Uh, so you have to watch that side of things. So yeah, so it's, 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 a, it's a tricky conundrum. It is. And, uh, and, and a fantastic conundrum as well because it's, it's, it's a it's a great life oh, that we have that we get to do what we do for a living, and I'm no, sure people listening to this is, feel the same way. This is this job is a joy. I, I I really cut. I often say to my my kids, I said, I, girls, I have nothing else I can offer. I said I can offer. I'm a good talker, and I can talk, and I'm curious to back to the word we started with. Uh, but apart from that, I really can't offer. I can't help my 11 year old with her maths and her Irish. I'm pretty handy with the English mm. uh, and her history. But the, rest, hope so. but the rest of it, I'm, I'm just rubbish at. If she comes home with a project to do with JFK, I think she might be sorted. She, I think she'd be fine. Yeah. I, well, I can I could suggest <laughs> some Daddy books. Daddy has a book here. I could suggest some books that she might look at. Uh, but uh, yeah, so, so it's all I have. But, but uh, th- th- this place uh, that we work in, which is an RTE, is 
I, I just love it. And I, I think that you, you know, I've often described it as being butlins with microphones. Uh, it, it's a playground for the curious. Hmm. And it's it, to be asking questions for a living and to be talking to all these people with these stories uh, and collecting them like you might, you might collect butterflies with a net is, is, is a privilege. And then you hit Friday night and you're on this longest running show on planet Earth or whatever. Some other nonsense. No, it is. Uh, uh, it's down here. Host of the world's longest chat show. Well, so I, that's, I got that somewhere. I hope it's that's fishing. a good website now. You looked that up. It wasn't Wikipedia. No, it better not be. No. I, I swear to God, I, if somebody shows me, gives me something from Wikipedia and says that's you research, I will. That's one of my, that's my buttons that you do not yeah. press. Yeah. Okay, so that's for another day. And then no, do, it's not. Actually, it's a very good point because I, I'm, I'm not going to name names, but I've worked with people and they might listen to this and they know who they are and if they ask me to print off a Wikipedia I swear yeah, to God I lose forget the plot. about it I just go God. no well that's really important if you, you said that a lot of students listen to this I mean students I swear to God to you guys don't be going there you will single yourself out from the pack yeah. by going to actually beyond going to a book sometimes is useful to get proper uh, research because the internet difficulty is that so many of the sites are just mad and they're run by mad people and they don't have uh, correct facts and figures. So go and find somebody whose actually job is to find out and you know, just dig a little harder. Final question. Yeah. And this is a question we've only started to ask recently on the show. What is the one question? Now, we don't want you to name names. Mm-hmm. We don't want any situation. Mm-hmm. But what was the one question that you should have asked, but you didn't? Um, it can be from anything over your career or anything in your life, whatever that one question was, but you never asked it? Uh, let me think. <laughs> I've, I've two in my mind. Uh, and I'll just sit back here now. <laughs> and and both, in both cases, I would have lost the interview. Okay. That's the truth. So, um, you can give me both if you want, because that'll be even better. Because I love this, because people then think, oh, God, I wonder who that was. Yes. One would be, no, I'm not going to... It's too obvious. Okay. So I'll be, I'll be vague. Right. Because I don't want to upset people. Okay. And uh, I don't want anyone upset No, either, I know so that. I, I know that. Well, one would be, why would you want to be getting involved in that religion? Right. And the other would probably be, uh, what... I'm just trying to, I'm trying to phrase the question. <laughs> and I can send you this bit at the end. So yeah. Listen back to it. <laughs> yeah, 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 indeed. I'm just trying to think of the question with the person in question, which would have been along the lines of... Um, why, wh- when did that all start and why that one? Ooh, okay. Ryan Tobey, Good luck with that, by the way. <laughs> thank you so much. And I'll thank that. you and I hope that, uh, particularly hope that those who are listening, the, the students and uh, uh, it, it, that, they, that they're encouraged by listening to all your guests because this is the dream job uh, if you're a media head. If you're listening to this, you're mm. obviously really into this gig. And I, I would just encourage if it's it's hard to get into, and you have to keep knocking on the door. But if you're persistent, and if you think you have it, and for whatever weird reason, I kind of thought I might have had it. You have to keep knocking on doors, and if those doors close and you walk away, it's not for you. Yeah, absolutely. So good luck. Good advice, Thanks, Ryan. Alan. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of The Outer View for RTE Radio 1 Extra. You can find out more about The Outer View at alanswan.com. 